Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This episode of Human Ordinary is sponsored by Harry's and Movement Watches. Just a quick language warning before we kick off. There is a lot of swears in this story, but only a few of them are gratuitous. This whole story is kind of about swearing. So if that's not your thing, I won't feel hurt if you shut off now. This one time, Rosie was at work and had a patient ask if she would go out with his grandson. She politely declined. Kind of pulled the whole oh, no, you know, that's unprofessional, I can't do that. And then he hit up the chick who worked after me and got my number off her, and so the next thing I get this phone call from this guy. So she reluctantly agreed. The guy was coming into town on the weekend to see a band called Peeping Tom, and they planned to meet after the gig at a place in the city called Pony. Sticky floors, dirty walls kind of venue. You kind of feel gross from the moment you walk in. It used to have pink walls as well, which is not a good colour. She dragged her housemate along, So she would have a wingman or wingwoman. Her blind date told her he was average height and with dark hair. He was actually about my height, which is not average height for a male. It's average height for a female. And he had blonde hair. And it was one of those faux hawk mullet things. The date got off to a bad start and didn't get much better after that. So Rosie and her housemates started to drink. The date had some friends with him as well, and the two small groups were hanging out near each other, but not really together. Then his friends returned from the bar with some drinks, beside themselves with excitement. Oh my God, Mike Patton's here. Oh my God. Mike Patton, music legend and lead singer of the band that they had just seen, was in the building. They had offered to buy him a beer, but he had declined. And I was just drunk enough to be like, whatever, I'm a girl, I can do this. (laughs) So she goes to the bar. Not thinking about whether she should, just caught up in the moment and fueled by booze. But she has no idea what kind of drink he would like. Well, I kind of was thinking he'd probably drink a whiskey straight or something like that, you know? I thought, kind of rough, older than me. So she leaves it up to the barman, telling him to get her a drink for a hard man. And as good barmen do, he's got just the thing, and presents to Rosie an 80ml plastic shot glass filled with whiskey, rum and chartreuse. So it was a lovely three-layer shot. He called it the Bogan Killer. You know, not appealing to look at, but, you know, if you hear that the name's a Bogan Killer, what could possibly go wrong with that? Filled with the type of courage one can only pick up in the Netherlands, she takes the shot. And as I got closer, I realised I had nothing to say to him except to present this horrible drink. She saw he was locked in conversation with the bass player and drummer of the band that had just finished playing. And all of a sudden they have to stop and look up because this chick is approaching them with a bogan killer. (laughs) He kind of looked at me as in, yeah. Her mouth opened 
but nothing very special came out. On behalf of all your fans, I'd like to present you with this drink. Mike Patton looked at the three layers of hell she was presenting. And he said, I'm not drinking that. And I was like, but I bought it for you. And he said, I'm not drinking that. Like the good bloke he is, he suggested the guys he was chatting with drink it. But they too refused the bogan killer. I was like, well, someone has to drink it. And he goes, well, you drink it then. I was like, okay, I will. She grabbed the shot up off the table, downed all 80 mils of its chest hair providing goodness, and then threw it over their heads and into the wall behind them. Oh, yeah. I couldn't just do the shot and walk away. That would be lame. <laughs> Leaving the rock and rollers in her dust, their mouths no doubt agape in awe at her drinking prowess, Rosie found her housemate and told her they needed to leave. Because I'm like, I've just been a massive dickhead. And then I felt even more like a dickhead the next day because I was talking to a friend and I told him what had happened and he turned around and said, you know the song Caffeine? And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, Mike wrote that because he doesn't do any drugs now except for caffeine. That may or may not be true. Not a highlight of my life. Made for a pretty good story and, you know, I did save it a bit. I was a bit rock and roll, but I definitely felt like a dickhead. (laughs) It's a hell of a thing being a dickhead. It can come on faster than a tropical downpour flooding the party with bad vibes and leaving reputations soggy and deteriorated. For the last story on Human Ordinary for 2018, we're going on a bit of a journey to find the essence of the dickhead. And what luck for you that someone with plenty of experience in the matter will be your guide. To begin, we need an understanding of what a dickhead actually is. So I've come to podcaster and self-described word nerd, Olivia Rosenman. But I definitely have been a dickhead and I think I actually am routinely a dickhead at the supermarket. Olivia is an exceptionally friendly person, so the fact that she is also prone to dickheadery means that really no one is safe. I probably need to just take a chill pill and stop being such a dickhead. Now, perhaps I've been unfairly influenced by the liberal use of cuss words in the film Braveheart, because when Olivia asked me when dickhead was first used, I didn't have much of a clue. Wow, way you're, you're way off. It's 1969. I said the 15th century. Curse you, Mel Gibson, and your anachronistic potty mouth. At any rate, it first popped up in a book of short stories. By an American writer called uh, Leonard Michaels. The book was called Going Places. Which also means that come next year, the word will have its 50th anniversary. A golden dickhead jubilee. But the planning of such a celebration will have to wait as Olivia pulls forth her trusty Macquarie Dictionary and finds the dickhead within. A person who behaves in an objectionable manner. But it seems that there's another, a secondary definition, as there often are with words and Mm. phrases, and that's a a fool or an idiot or a really stupid person, which I feel like I would think less of a dickhead as being someone who's stupid and more someone who sort of is acting in a way that is somehow against a, a social expectation or a social norm without necessarily there being any sort of intellect or intelligence involved. The versatility of swear words is one of the best things about them. We love having naughty ways of talking about others and we'll try to adapt them to any and all situations. And that's true not just in Australia, but all over the world. Olivia tells me she's done some extra digging and she's got the skinny on dickhead in other languages. 
There's Italian. Testa di cazzo. Spanish. Boludo. Almost Dutch. I can't even pronounce the Dutch version that my Dutch friend told me. But she's got a Flemish version, so same thing. Tettenkop, which means tithead. And then there's the French. The polite, demure French. Tête de bite, but no one really says that. They'll probably say like tête de con, which is like actually a cunt head. Um <laughs> Wow, which is so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's remarkable how no matter where you go, it seems you can insult someone by taking your favorite bit of genitalia and popping it on a head. Do you think it's worse to call someone a dickhead or a dick? You would almost think that if dickhead is a bad word, then it's because of the dick part. So then that dick is equally as bad. I feel like dickhead is like, I feel like, you know, in that weird Australian way where we kind of insult people that we like in an endearing way. So I guess what we're going with is that dickhead can be jokey and friendly, while at the same time, more stern and serious. It can be someone who is acting objectionably or just being a little bit silly. And so it'd be interesting to talk more deeply with speakers of English, you know, British English and American English. Do these insults all have the kind of softer side that they do in Australian English. And thus, Olivia presents me with a perfect segue. Or as Max, my Californian friend might say, if he wasn't a caricature of the real Max, what a radically bodacious idea. Cowabunga, dude. So firstly, I'd have to say, I don't know what kids say anymore. But certainly when I was a kid, dickhead was a word. But it was more like calling somebody like literally a penis head. It didn't have a broader meaning than other than like literally, you are a dickhead. Max has been an honorary Aussie for over a decade now. So he's got a pretty good grasp on the local lingo. So when I've been called a dickhead here, you know, it's been like riding my bike and somebody in the car will be like, hey, you fucking dickhead. And that to me would be you fucking asshole, right? Like I've got fond memories of my dad leaning out the window of his car with his middle finger up in the air, waving, going like, you fucking asshole, they're not a fucking drive. It's the same kind of intonation and like that's what it would be. But I know that dickhead here is bigger than that, I think, than just asshole. You know, I think it can mean like moron. And what about in merry old England? Different people use it in different situations to have different meanings. This is Laura, who spent the first 29 years of her life in the south of England, where dickheads were known to call home. Probably plenty of dickheads. And Laura says that usage of the word over there is rather similar to here. It's a very soft insult. There's no venom behind it. It's something that you'd probably use with your friend when they've done something ridiculous um, that you feel that they need to be sort of brought to task on. That's when you'd use it. Laura doesn't often use the bad words. In fact, this is the most I've heard her swear in all the time that I've known her. But her daughter, on the other hand... She used it in a really good context. So essentially... The teacher came over and asked her to help tidy up. As the teacher spoke with Laura's daughter, who was three at the time, she was stroking her back. And we have a very clear policy in our household that you only get touched if you want to be touched. So her daughter said... Please don't touch me. But the teacher either didn't hear or didn't care. And continued to stroke her back. And so my daughter turned around and said, You're a dickhead. And part of me was a little bit proud, but I kind of wish she'd just said, please don't touch me. While this has been enlightening, I have to leave Laura and her foul-mouthed progeny. 
I'm due to meet with my Kiwi friend to find out if they use the word any differently over the Tasman Sea. It's the same here as it is there. Moving from New Zealand to here, you know what a dickhead is. Unlike Laura, Simon, or Simo to his mates, is quite partial to a good cuss word. And he also has a good grasp on the insult hierarchy, a linguistic scale that I just invented. There's a line between being a dickhead and being like an arsehole or a wanker or something like that, which is much more serious. And so wanker's worse than being a dickhead? Absolutely. I think it's a way of life. There's wankers out there. Absolutely. And you, you see them every day. You see them driving down the road, the guys that act up in their cars and do so, all sorts of different things. And they're just wankers, you know. So never, ever possible to always be a dickhead? Oh, never. Say never. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> if I can condense what I've learnt thus far into a joke, it would be something like a yank and a pom and a kiwi walk into a bar and can all spot the Aussie being a dickhead. Which, if nothing else, shows that I really need to work on my punchlines. I decided to head down to Melbourne University to find out more about dickheads. Uni students are young and often foolish, so I was certain they would be experts on the subject. So what kind of things does someone have to do to, uh, to be a dickhead, do you think? Being rude to people, being mean. Someone who makes it part of their mission to kind of go and disrespect others. Yeah, definitely. Just being an idiot, just yeah. acting stupidly. Arrogant. Uh, you get a lot of dickheads in traffic. Insensitive male behaviour. Well, I guess everybody's a dickhead in traffic, if, if, <laughs> apart <laughs> from you. Yeah. <laughs> Probably associate it a lot with alcohol. I think women can be dickheads, but you would usually use the word to describe a man. Something that comes to mind a lot is when people are, are drinking a lot and they're very loud and obnoxious. That's what I would usually use to describe a dickhead. Thanks to my new young friends, I now have an idea about the things to avoid to reduce the risk of becoming a dickhead. Being a man and alcohol. Do you think alcohol and dickheadery are sort of like, you know, forever combined? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> this is Robert, proprietor of the Raccoon Club in Preston. Alcohol's a great social lubricant as well, but uh, you can overoil the wheels. I've come to talk to Robert because as you walk into the Raccoon Club, placed just under the beer taps so you can't miss it, is a sign telling all that his place has a no dickhead policy. People look at it and I think it gives them pause and people laugh when they see it, so I think it... It breaks the ice and it also acts as a reminder that this is the sort of environment you're in, so respect it. And the Raccoon Club isn't the only one. There's a bunch of bars around town, the Meredith Music Festival and even the New Zealand rugby team all have a no dickhead policy. I find it brilliant and absurd. It seems like such an obvious thing that we should all be trying not to be a dickhead no matter where we are. But yet, in some situations, it appears we need reminding. And so, can you tell me about a time when maybe someone was a dickhead and had to be uh, schooled? Not a time, there's always a dickhead. And <laughs> every night there's a dickhead of some sort, and you have to uh, pull them into line. Have you seen the sign, mate? Don't be a dickhead. Who, like in the public eye, is a dickhead? Oof. That's a really tough question. In the public <laughs> eye? Yeah, heaps of people. Anyone on Twitter? Maybe someone like Kanye West. Any boss, right? Barry Hall. Chris Brown. 
Shane Ward. Sam Newman. Quite a few politicians. Yeah, a lot of politics lends itself to Dick Hattery. On all sides. Donald Trump, jeez. Trump. ScoMo. Our noble Prime Minister, yeah. <laughs> the, the fair income ScoMo. Fair income ScoMo is a total dickhead. Scott Morrison. Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott in budgies. Dickhead. Tony Abbott. Yeah, I bet. I know that these answers are incredibly narrow, but that's because the concept of dickhead is subjective. Whoever we find to be a dickhead is likely just someone who believes or behaves in ways that we are opposed to. And despite my best efforts, I happen to only speak to the same kind of person. Had I interviewed a diverse range of people, I would have got a diverse range of dickheads. But just like the old wartime adage, one man's dickhead is another man's freedom fighter. Or something like that. After the break, dickhead rage. This episode is sponsored by Movement Watches. Movement Watches are all about looking good while keeping it simple. The ones I have look great and are probably far too stylish for me to really pull off. They're not one of these new fandangled smartwatches that you don't really need. They tell the time, like true classic timepieces should. The best part is, movement watches start at just 95 bucks. You're looking at around 400 for the same quality from a traditional brand. You could do heaps of things with that $300 savings. You could take a little holiday, buy a couple of good tickets to a Taylor Swift concert, get those shoes you've always wanted. You could probably even start a podcast. If you need help giving the perfect gift this season, but don't know where to start, the guys over at Movement Watches have got your back. They've rounded up all of their favourite styles into special gift boxes for you, so you can absolutely crush this holiday season without the added stress. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Movement's launching new styles on their site all the time. Check out their latest at mvmt.com and go to mvmt.com slash human and join the movement. This episode is sponsored by Harry's. Lately, I've turned our bathroom into a bit of a shrine to Harry's. I've got body wash and a fancy but still manly face scrub in the shower, soap bars as well, and then shaving gel, a bottle of post-shave balm, and of course, their famous razors. These bad boys pack five blades and have a weighted ergonomic handle. I use mine to keep my cheeks and neck all baby bum smooth. And you can get your hands on one with Harry's special trial offer. You'll get the shaver, a travel cover for it so it doesn't dull in your luggage, and some shaving gel. That's $13 of value that you can grab for nothing, as long as you pay for the shipping. Claim yours by going to harrys.com forward slash human ordinary. Harry's founders understood that great razors were all about the blades, made with dependable steel that lasts. So they bought a factory and started Harry's. By selling direct to you over the internet, they can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brands. Plus, if you don't love your shave, 
Let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their free trial set at harrys.com slash humanordinary. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash humanordinary to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Artist and writer Matt Shun has a dickhead story to tell. I owned and managed a, a little coffee shop in Bermagui on the far south coast of New South Wales. It was the 25th of January, 2016. So the day before Australia Day. And I, I wanted to let people know that we'd be open the following day. Matt never opened on Australia Day because he doesn't recognise it as a holiday. For any non-Aussies listening, Australia Day commemorates the arrival of the British First Fleet and colonisation. It is a day that has become increasingly more and more divisive, and it's a complex issue that is difficult to do justice to here. Suffice to say that some view the holiday as a celebration of everything great about Australia post-white settlement, while others see it as the commemoration of an invasion and a nationalistic wankfest. So Matt, firmly in the latter camp, grabs some chalk and his trusty blackboard. The infamous blackboard that I, I put outside, yes, will be open on National Dickhead Day. The reality is it was only up in the window for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and that's all it took. A passerby had seen the sign, didn't approve, and took a picture, which he uploaded to an Australian-themed Facebook group. And it spread from there to, I guess, the more hardcore right-wing groups. Yeah, so that, that very quickly went, went viral. And from there, Matt says it became a coordinated attack. When he arrived to open the cafe the next day, he found the locks had been drilled out and the windows were glued shut. Uh, I was doxxed pretty quickly. Doxing is where a person's phone number and address are published online. And pretty soon after that, my phone started ringing. Like, it, it just rang constantly. <laughs> yeah, they sort of in- incredibly explicit death threats and... Um, it, it was, you know, graphic descriptions of, of how I would be, you know, killed, raped, uh, attacked. And all because of a little dickhead on a blackboard. Yeah, I, th- I think what's what's fascinating about the whole event to me is the discrepancy in scale, you know, between the blackboard and the response. I mean, it's still something that amuses and terrifies me, you know. Of course, no one really cared that he had written that word. What people cared about was that he had used it to describe something that they held sacred. In, in some ways, I was appropriating language that is not meant to be used to criticise this national pastime. I, I guess the blackboard was, was written on a whim and it wasn't necessarily thought through, but the longer that that response and the furore kind of expanded and, and gained momentum, I guess the more strongly I believed what I'd written. <laughs> Dickhead is a word that I would have probably thought of as being um, quite harmless and humorous until that incident. Because despite our supposed laid-back and carefree nature, or the fact we often swear with gusto and dab dickhead into conversation like we would Vegemite on toast, we just can't handle it when the word is used seriously by people we don't agree with. Do you still have the cafe? No, no. So I, I sold the cafe early this year. Okay. Yeah, look, it was really important to me that I kept the cafe going after all of that went down, that it wasn't perceived to be a defeat, you know. So, yeah, it's it's probably quite important to say that the cafe is still going, but I'm no longer involved, so you can leave it alone. 
Now, I've got a whole bunch of sort of little scenarios. They're really short. I'd like you to tell me whether you think this is an example of a dickhead or maybe it's something else. So, uh, about someone who throws cigarette butts out on the street. It's a wanker. Dickhead. Yeah. He's a litterer. Yeah. He's a bad person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah that's a dickhead maneuver for sure. Having a loud conversation on the phone on public transport. No, it wouldn't come under that. Maybe say more like wanker. Mostly dickhead. Don't really give a shit. Getting a fake tan or going to the solarium in winter? <laughs> no. Uh, no. That's definitely me. That's, <laughs> That's like me. Definitely you're a dickhead. Like, definitely you're a dickhead. Get cancer. Taking porn magazines on a Christian youth retreat. <laughs> I'd say dickhead. <laughs> That's being a missionary. So Not dickhead, but a bit, bit odd. Making fun of someone's accent or nationality. I reckon it's a dick move. That's not on. Somebody did that to me. I'd be like, it's a bit of a dickhead move. I make fun of her accent all the time. She's a dickhead. <laughs> and seeing someone drop money and picking it up without telling them. That's just rude. I would say it's a dickhead move, yeah. Especially if you see him drop it, then yeah, that's a dickhead. Oh yeah, it's definitely a dickhead maneuver. <laughs> Probably a dickhead move. Of course, if they're wearing a suit. <laughs> All this talk of dickheads has got me reflecting on my own behaviour and the extent to which I am a dickhead. This introspection was kind of inevitable, I guess. My psych has said that I have a poor self-concept, which pretty much means that I think I act like a dickhead 24-7. I carry with me these demerit badges, memories of times when I've acted up or said the wrong thing, or not lived up to the ideal I have of who I want to be. The sum total of these is the perception I often have of myself, so that every time someone doesn't return an email, or I'm not included in something, or a friend I've known for decades fails to call after my son is born, I point to one of these badges and think, you see, this is why this is happening. Of course, in my better moments, none of this occurs to me. I ride life's little bumps and see them as things that just happen. It's the difference between seeing my dickhead tendencies as fleeting and viewing them as symptomatic of a more enduring nature. To try to find out what the truth actually is, I thought that there would be no better person to ask than my best mate, Roland. And what better way to talk honestly about being a dickhead than to be men with bellies full of alcohol. I got on the other side of that. That's the library. What, there's 7 billion people in the world? Yeah. How many people are there who are going to believe in the same thing? You know, you think, like, the whole, the whole concept of yin and yang's been around for a very long time, and, you know, dickheads are basically the yang to anyone's yin. So, I, like, I think I'm a really great guy. I think I've got a lot to offer. <laughs> but I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who think I'm a dickhead. In Roland's way of looking at it, we're all simultaneously dickheads and not dickheads. Kind of like... Schrodinger's dickhead. And um, I walk around and I look at a lot of people and I think that they're dickheads, but they all just think that they're normal people. At this stage of the night, I feel that our wheels are significantly oiled, that it's time to bring up something from our past. One of my demerit badges. So we were at the football. Uh, we were down in the, uh, in, in the bar, the bull ring yeah. bar. And a guy standing near us dropped some money. With the money on the ground, I carefully stretched one of my lanky legs out and placed my foot over the cash. And then with care, 
making sure that neither the guy who dropped the money or his mates would notice, I dragged the cash towards me. I remember looking over at Roland and his face had this blank intensity on it, as if he knew something wasn't right, but that he wasn't quite sure how to process what was happening. I was quite conflicted in that moment, yeah. I reckon the dickhead was probably me. Like, I, I really disagreed with what you did. You know, as a, as a good friend, I think I probably should have been firmer in my morals and my ethics. Yeah, I reflect more on myself in that moment than probably on you. I feel like I've kind of been let off the hook too easily. The way that it plays out in my mind, the way that I carry this around with me, is like it's one of the worst things I've ever done. But here Roland is, talking about it as if it's all relative. The part of me that collects these demerit badges wants my dickheadery validated. I've come looking for flagellation, and I want Roland to scold me in the way only true close friends can. So I push on. Am I a dickhead? Yeah. You're my dickhead. You're, you're the dickhead that I love. Mm. You know, you're that guy who is silly and different and uh, challenging and endearing and uh, like everything that's good about being a dickhead. Roland isn't really helping with my self-pity party because what he's saying is that like any way of being, behaving like a dickhead is a matter of degrees. You can be funny and lovable or you can be annoying and hurtful. But each of these is a symptom of being a part of a culture because the people in that culture, they clash and disagree. They fuck up and act with selfishness. Far from being social outcasts, dickheads walk among us. That part of me that sees everything in a bad light, it thinks that there's something unique and extraordinary about my dickheadedness, that it makes me abnormal and stand out. But what Roland is on about is that being a dickhead is one of the most ordinary human traits of all. There's nothing wrong with being a dickhead. Isn't there? Well, in the greatest scheme of things, if you know that you're being a dickhead, then it's probably better for the human race. Like, it's better for everyone. That you don't be a dickhead. That you know that you're being a dickhead. Oh, okay. Because as soon as you know you're being a dickhead, you, yeah. you don't like what you're doing. Yeah. So you're probably going to change that. Right, right. It's the people who don't know they're being dickheads that's the problem. I reckon there's a few walking past right now. Should we go talk to them? No, they're dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all the dickheads I interviewed for this story. Rosie, Olivia, Max, Laura, Simo, Chinsia, Michael, Jen, Alice, Emily, Anna, Campbell, Sebastian, Lucas, Ruben, Gus, Sam, Robert, Matt and Roland. The biggest dickhead of all. Extra thanks to Olivia Rosenman for the research, to Matt Chun for dredging up the dark past and the band Levels for the use of this song you're hearing now. It's called Dickhead. And it and a lot of other awesome stuff is available to download from their Bandcamp page. I'll pop some links into the show notes. Human Ordinary is produced in Melbourne by me, Sam Loy. All original music is by Kent Sutherland. Thanks to Planet Broadcasting and to this episode's sponsors, Movement Watchers and Harry's. This is the last episode in the current season of Human Ordinary. And none of it would have been possible without Layla Brook. You rock, babe. I'm pretty excited to announce that next year the show will be back with more than just me in the producer's chair. 
You'll be hearing stories from other amazing independent producers, and we're planning 16 episodes for season four. So check back in in April so you don't miss out. I want to close the episode and the year with something pretty special. I was contacted a little while ago by a musician from Guatemala going by the name Papercut. They wrote a song incorporating one of the stories from last year and wanted to share it with me. I find it amazing that this podcast that I do alone in our study, not having any idea what I'm really doing, has the capacity to reach someone on the other side of the world and connect with them. I am deeply grateful to all of you that listen to the show, and especially to those of you that take the time to reach out and let me know that you're there. Here's the song from Papercut. It's called Mimetic Algorithm, and if you dig it, check them out on Spotify and SoundCloud. Anyway, thanks for listening.
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.